Today, we're in the middle of a series, smack dab in the middle of a series called Soul Detox. And we've talked about the restless soul, and we've talked about the heavy soul. And today, I'm going to talk about the tortured soul. Did you happen to have a kid in your neighborhood who was a bully? In my neighborhood, his name was Mikey. Mikey was a year older than me. He lived two houses up from me. And Mikey um, was a year older than me, but he had fa failed, so he was in my grade. And Mikey, Mikey was one of those kids. He actually had lots of issues. He was living with a family that, that wasn't his, bio, wasn't his uh, birth parents. He was living with an aunt and uncle because uh, just stuff. He eventually got sent to Boys Ranch. Boys Ranch is where those boys go. And, and, and tragically, I don't even remember all of the circumstances, Mikey died at 19 or 20, just a horrible death, and he just had this rough life. But, but when I was five or six years old, there's only so many kids in the neighborhood. We didn't have cell phones. We didn't have satellite. We didn't have computers. And so you played outside all the time. And I only had a limited number of kids to play with. And so I would play with Mikey until Mikey would get mad. And Mikey was a bully. And Mikey beat me up all the time. But by the grace of God, I was faster than Mikey. So that's how I handled all of our conflict. Ran home. I just busting down and he couldn't catch me. And I knew that. So I'd run in my house. And there was this little safe space in between my mama's dresser and her bed. Um, we had so many people in my family growing up, I didn't have my own room until my brothers went off to college. And so my bed for the first several years was in mom and dad's room. I had a little twin bed in there. But in between their bed and the dresser was about a one-foot space. It was a safe space for a five- or six-year-old to go and just lick his wounds, just uh, contemplate life. You know, and so one day Mikey was going to beat me up and I ran home and I ran in there and, and my oldest brother happened to be home. He's 14 years older than me, so he was about 20 at the time. And he saw me run in and he says something. I just run in. I'm getting in my safe space. And I'm just hanging out. And my brother comes in and says, what's wrong? I said, nothing. And, and this brother was the one that I was closest to. He pretty much raised me um, when, when I was growing up. And so I told him what happened. And, and my loving brother, you know what my loving brother did? He grabbed me by the shirt, picked me up, and said, we're going to go fight him right now. And I'm going, no! And then my other brother was 18. He's like, yeah, this is a great idea. And I'm going, you guys. I, I didn't know the word suck then, but they sucked. You know, that's, they knew that. Um, and so they take me out, and they go get Mikey. And they won't let me run away. They won't let Mikey run away. They'd be in jail today if they tried this. But they made me fight Mikey. And for the first few rounds, it was just like it was always was. I was such a nice kid. I know y'all can't believe this. I was polite. I didn't like to get in trouble. I didn't want to rock the boat. And Mikey's just beating the dog out of me. And my brothers kept throwing me back in. And then all of a sudden, Bruce Banner came out of me. And I, I'm, not, I'm not making this up. I don't know what happened. I snapped. And I've not been the same since. So if you think I'm a little intense, blame my brothers. This goes all the way back to when I was five or six years old. And I'm not kidding you. I beat the dog out of this kid, and he never jacked with me again, right? Now, when we hear in the news, all the time we hear stuff about, about abuse, and usually we're thinking of physical abuse or sexual abuse, and there are, there, are, there, is, there are occasions where people are literally tortured, and, and that's horrible. It is incredibly difficult for people to come through physical abuse sexual abuse that that is horrible but can i tell you there is something that is actually a step worse it is spiritual torture of the soul and it lasts forever because see what what is the theme of, of our whole series the theme of our series is we are not a a uh, body with a soul we're a soul with a body and this is a big deal because this temporary body this goes away it's not who you are. When you die, this part dies, but our soul lives forever. That's why Jesus could ask this question in Mark 8, 36. How does a man or woman benefit if he or she gains the whole world and loses, what is it possible to lose? 
your soul because you are not this physical body. Praise God. I got off a tractor after three hours on Friday night, and I could not walk. I felt like I'd been on a horse. And, and uh, then, then yesterday, I don't know if y'all noticed, I was moving slow yesterday. I'm just dadgum getting old. And uh, it was because I'd been riding tractors for three evenings. We're getting old, but, but praise God, this, this dies, but my soul lives on somewhere else. Jesus talked about this. And I don't know if you know this, but people tend to try to look good when they come to church. Y'all ever been in churches where they try to dress up and pretend everything's okay? And, and you ask them, how you doing? Oh, I'm doing great, brother. If I was any better, I'd be twins. I'm not sure what that one means. Sounds kind of dumb to me. I don't want to be twins. Anyway, people look good on the outside, but they're tortured on the inside. And, and I think they're probably like Paul in Romans chapter 7. Paul says this, I don't really understand myself, for I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. You ever promised God after you did something that just made you feel guilt and shame? Have you ever promised God, I'll never, as long as I live, I'll never do it again? Only to do it again? And then there's shame. And you come in here and you pretend that everything is good. Hallelujah! That's my Medea impression. I didn't do a very good job. You pretend things are good, but in, inwardly your soul is tortured. Paul, uh, I mean, Peter has some words to say to, to believers in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 11. He says this, Dear friends, I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners. When I was in Israel, they closed the country down right, before, right after we got out of Israel, right? Because I was not a resident. I didn't get to stay. I was not a citizen. I had to get out. That was temporary. Every time I go to Belize, I love Belize. I love Haiti, but I, that is not my home. We're supposed to treat this world as temporary residents and foreigners. And he says, I warn you to keep away from worldly desires. What kind of desires? Worldly desires. You know what they are. And here's why. They wage war against your soul. There is a whole system designed to take your soul down to the pit of hell. And, and God says, stay away from that stuff. Why is it such a big deal? Because the enemy wants to eat you alive and he wants to mount your your name your your head on his wall as a trophy of what sin does now you may be asking today some of you are probably thinking what's the difference last week we talked about a heavy soul this week we're talking about a tortured soul here's the main difference a heavy soul is what others do to you jesus was completely innocent the only one who never sinned and he had a heavy soul a tortured soul has to do with what you've done it's not ex external, it is internal. And so that's what we're going to talk about. What tortures our souls? The first thing is sins we've committed. Sin breaks the heart of God, it breaks the law of God, and when we do that, we feel guilty. You know why you feel guilty when you sin? Because you're guilty. This, this generation, our country, doesn't understand this concept anymore. You can be guilty of sin. When I took my gun into the airport, I was guilty guilty and I got to go to jail because of that I was guilty and I was the most compliant I went back to before I was six before I snapped and I was like yes sir no sir you handcuff me do whatever you need to do because you can be guilty you are guilty of sin 
And look what David said. David, this is a big deal. David says this in Psalm 38, verses 3 and 4. No healthy spot is left on my body because of your rage. So he's saying, God, I violated your law. I violated your, your words. And now, so, so my commentator, and, and, and I was reading this, he said, if we don't listen to the words of God's heart, we will feel the weight of his hand in discipline. If you don't listen to the words of his heart, you'll feel the weight of his hand. David was feeling the weight of God's hand. He says, there's no healthy spot left on my body because of your rage. There is no peace in my bones because of my what? When you don't have peace very often, it's because of your sin. And then look what happens. My guilt has done what? Everybody say it out loud. What has it done? Overwhelmed me like a heavy load. It is more than I can bear. When Janie and I first uh, moved to Palestine, I was a youth minister, and, and we were buying this house that was being constructed. And so I moved down uh, like Easter of 1995. She had to finish out her contract. She was teaching in Mansfield High School. And so she had to finish that out. So she and my mom actually stayed in Arlington to get the house ready to sell. I moved down. I lived with a family. Well, it was going to be August 14th before our house was ready. And we didn't want to try to rent something. If you've ever tried to rent something in Palestine, you know it's way high for what you get. And so we didn't want to do that. And so my pastor stood before the church and he said, hey, um, would any of you be willing to let Doug and Janie and Caleb, he was five months old at the time, house sit while you're gone on vacation? So it sounds like a great idea. We were in eight different locations over the next eight weeks. And if you've got a toddler who has colic, who doesn't know how to sleep, it is hell. Moving day was just like, I'm like, God, just take me, just take me, right? We hated moving day. And um, so what was going on was they were constructing our house, and every once in a while the, the contractor would call me and he'd say, hey, um, what color is this? What kind of tile does Janie want? You know, all of these different things. So as we're coming closer to August 14th, we go and we check out the house. And there were a couple of massive mistakes. I mean massive mistakes. And so I walked in. I said, dude, you, you got to fix this. You got to fix this. You got to fix this. And the contractor looks at me and goes, too bad. I'm not fixing anything. And my six-year-old self came out. And I got mad. And he knew I was mad. It, I was so mad that we almost didn't buy the house. And, and, and you know, I'm, I'm a youth minister. I'm not, I'm not cussing at him. I'm not, I'm not any of those things. But he knew I was mad, and my attitude stunk. Well, my pastor, my favorite pastor that I ever served with, he's preaching this Sunday right after this, and, and he's preaching. Basically what he said was, God desperately wants to reach sinners. But the sins of God's people put up a roadblock that keeps sinners from coming to him. The way you act, the way you, you talk, and, and co of course, there I am, youth minister, sitting on the second row with my youth group. I got eight, eight rows of youth in this, in this church, and I'm going, I'm going to puke right here in front of everyone because my, my pastor is just piercing my heart with the word of God. Well, one of my jobs was to stand at the front. Have you ever been in a Baptist church, a typical Baptist church? You have the invitation, 800 verses of just as I am. And so one of my jobs was to stand there for all 800 verses and say, God, send somebody, send somebody so we can shut this down. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm being irreverent there. But so I'm supposed to stand up. And so one, uh, my pastor would stand on one side and I would stand on the other. As people come forward, we're supposed to talk and pray with him. And I stood up and I, I'm, I'm literally sick. And so I, I walked over to my pastor and I said, what you just preached about, I'm, I'm a stumbling block. I am keeping someone from coming to Christ. I cannot stand in front of these people today. He prayed with me. So we go and we get Caleb. We load him up. We get in the car. And back then we didn't have cell phones. We didn't know how to get a hold of people if you didn't have the landline. So we drove to our house hoping that he would be there. Sunday afternoon he was there. 
And when I walked in, it was not a, it was, you know, tension. It was just thick. And so uh, because it was, an, it was a, a summer afternoon, Janie and Caleb, she's got the baby. She can't sit in the car, so she comes inside. I did not want to do this in front of my wife, but I didn't have any alternative. So I walked in. I said, hey, I said, I, I need you to know that I was wrong. My attitude was wrong, and will you forgive me? And, and it's just like his face melted. And he goes, of course. He shook my hand. Long story short, he and his family end up moving in next door to us for like three or four years, right? Um, he knew I was a, a youth minister. In fact, this is the grace of God when you do what God tells you to do. His kids eventually were in my youth group. He would, he would call me from time to time, or if he saw me in the yard, he'd come over and he goes, hey, I got a question for you, and just start talking about the Bible. And I think, oh, I could have been the one who kept him out of the kingdom of God. We uh, got back in the car, and uh, I felt like a weight was lifted off of my shoulders. I'll never forget this. We're driving in, in, in our little Honda Accord, and uh, Janie's staring at me. And I said, what? And she goes, that's the sexiest thing I've ever seen. I'm not making this up. I go, really? (laughs) Guys, if you're taking notes today, humility is sexy to your woman. I'm just telling you. I'm telling you, try it. Don't tell me anything about it. You don't need to tell me the results. I'm just telling you, you be humble. Because... Next year will be 30 years Janie and I have been married. We're going for 50, or as however long. I told her I'd marry her for 50, and then renegotiate. That's what I actually told her. Um, there's several times in, in, in our marriage the way I have responded to our children or the way I've responded to a situation when I've shown integrity and humility. I'm telling you, she thinks it's sexy. All right, we'll move on. Some of you are tortured in your souls today because you're carrying weight you're not supposed to carry. You've sinned, and God's told you what you're supposed to do. And, and I'm just going to run through these real quick because I, I, if the statistics are correct, in this group here and everybody that's listening online, at least, at least half of the men struggle with some sort of secret lust. It could be pornography, it could be many different things 50 percent, and that's even of believers in christ we're no different when it comes to this from somebody who's not a believer and ladies before you get all worked up about that the studies now show at least a third of christian women are either looking at reading something dreaming about fantasizing about something you shouldn't and if it were to come out it would be embarrassing you know it would impact your standing in the church in your in your family you're, you're dealing with secret sin, and you're thinking, oh, I'm going to pretend it's not there. Some of you have misrepresented yourself. You've cheated on something. You've cheated on someone, and you know if it comes out, it's going to be bad. Some of you, it may, be, it may be something as simple as overeating, and I know a little bit about that. I don't want to eat so much, but then you eat all of it. I cannot go to, what's it, Beijing, China, not Beijing. What's the, what's the one that just opened? Asian city. I can't stop. And then I'm miserable. And some people actually go and they induce vomiting and then they feel more miserable after they've done that. For some people, it's overspending. I love Amazon Prime. But it doesn't last. 
You open it up and go, huh, huh, what else can I order, right? It doesn't last. For others, it's an addiction. You are drinking something, you're smoking something, you're popping something. Before you know, you are controlled by it, and you are carrying this sin, and you know if it comes out, you're in deep weeds. So what tortures our souls? Very first thing, it's, it's the sins we have committed. That's why you're tortured. Second thing is the lies we believe. Our spiritual enemy, I mentioned this in the prayer, is a liar. And he whispers to us. Jesus said this, John 8, 44. He, Satan, was a murderer from the beginning. He, was, he has always hated the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, it is consistent with his character for he's a liar and the father of lies. His native language is lying. And the only way, the only way the enemy can torture you, our souls, is if we believe his lies. Do you know that? You're believing something that's not true and Satan has this hook in you. And he'll say, if anybody knows your secret, they will, they will reject you. If anybody knows your secret, they, they, they're going to they're gonna look down on you. Your enemy lies to you and he tries to connect your past with what you did with who you are. He says, oh, well, you failed, you're a failure. You did something bad, you're a bad person. You committed adultery, you're an adulterer. And now we, we can be guilty of those sins, but Jesus has washed away the sins. And when he looks at that, he, he no longer sees our sins. And you think, I've got to carry this secret to the grave. But can I, tell you this is, can I tell you something? Your secret is actually carrying you to the grave. You are as sick, you are as tortured as your secrets are today. And every time somebody says to me, I've never told anybody this, and, and as a pastor you get that a lot, I think God's about to do something in their life because for the first time they're going to bring it out in the open. So, so if you're tortured today and your enemy says don't tell anyone, you need to, last week we started preaching to our souls. You need to learn to preach to your souls. Because we only meet once a week or two or three times a week. You need to learn to preach to your soul every day because you're attacked more than once every day. And so we're going to preach to our souls. First thing we're going to preach is it's better to confess your sins than to hide your sins. It's always better. Always better to tell the truth. Here's, here's a verse. I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago. It's Proverbs 28, 13. I mentioned the NIV. Here's the New Living Translation. People who conceal their sins will not what? What's that next word? prosper but if they confess everyone say confess and turn from i want you to say confess and turn from that's very important because a lot of people confess their sins oh yeah i did this but it's no big deal Mm -mm. if you violated the law of god if you if you hurt the heart of god by your by your sin it's a big deal you confess it and you turn from it you renounce it is what the niv says if you do that confess and renounce what what does the bible say you will receive mercy mercy is not getting what you deserve your enemy says you're a rotten person your heavenly father says you're chosen you're forgiven you're not forsaken it's kind of like food poisoning y'all ever gotten food poisoning nasty stuff right when you take poison into your body what does your body do it says not in here it rejects it it violently rejects it Wherever there is a hole, your body rejects it, right? Now, you don't look at me like you think that's not true. That is so true. I remember one time I had food poisoning, and it was so bad that I thought I was going to die, and then it got worse, and then I was afraid I wouldn't die. I was like, please, let me die. We ate, I'll never forget, we were in Arlington, and uh, 
I don't think Caleb was even born yet. And we had this Thanksgiving meal, and I ate. And, and the guy, the, one of the reasons I remember this is because the guy who spoke was not a, not a teacher. He should not have spoken. And he did the acrostic Thanksgiving, and we were praying to God. He would stop at thanks, and he went all the way through giving, and it took forever. And while he's sitting there, I'm not just sick of what he's saying. I am sick. And I get in the car, and I tell Janie, I said, I don't think I'm going to make it. I can't stand to puke, and I will do anything I can not to puke. And so I'm just holding it in, holding it in. I go to bed, and it midnight the poison was coming out and i ran to the bathroom and and it was the projectile vomit and i'm not trying to i'm just telling you this was bad stuff it was so bad that i felt something in my nose and i thought what in the world and i blew my nose and there was a piece of corn in my nose and i said i really should chew better this is this, this is a lesson god is teaching me right now because it was bad if only if only if only we would treat sin like food poisoning, like our body treats food poisoning. you got to get it out. You cannot keep that in and prosper. Unconfessed sin is like poison to your soul, and you got to get it out. And the enemy has a hold on you because you think your secrets are making you well, but they're making you sick. It's a poison, and you, you, it doesn't come out until you confess it. Now, there's two types of confession. Confess to God for forgiveness of sins. This comes straight out of the Word of God, 1 John 1, 9. John was a witness. He said, we are eyewitnesses of his life, his death, his resurrection, his miracles. He said, we can't, if we were to write everything about Jesus, the books of the world would not contain it. John says this, if we confess our sins to him, Jesus, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. When you admit your sins, and that's all confession is, it's admitting that I've sinned. Everybody, you think it's a secret? There's a lot, of, a lot, of, lot, of more, <laughs> there's a lot more people than you think know about your secret sin. He doesn't hold them against you. He forgets them. He casts them, we talked about this, into the sea of forgetfulness. It's a little bit like an Etch-a-Sketch. You know what an Etch-a-Sketch is? It's a computer for rednecks. And you, you put stuff on there, and then you shake it up. Clean slate. Isn't that a perfect picture of what Jesus does for us? He died to pay for your sins so that when God looks at him, he doesn't see your sins. He doesn't see you. He sees Christ in you, and he says, that's one of mine. I'll never leave them, never forsake them, never now, you confess to Jesus. You don't have to confess to me for forgiveness. But the second thing is you confess to people for healing from your sins. I don't know why God's designed it this way, but this is why, the way he's designed it. We confess to God for forgiveness. We confess to one another for healing. And this comes from James, the half-brother of Jesus, the, the skeptic, the one who didn't believe that Jesus was the Son of God until Jesus was raised from the dead. And he goes, hey, and not only did he predict it, he pulled it off. He's my brother, but he's also the Son of God. James says this, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be what? Come on, so you may be what? The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Some of you need to have an... I've never told anyone this before. You need to have one of those moments. 
And it's really why you need to be not just in church. You need to be in a small group. You need to be at CR. You need to be at uh, men's Bible study, women's Bible study. When we start small groups again, I was going to tell you this. This was kind of cool to me. Yesterday, we were down by the pond, and we were watching the redneck group try to get the tree out of the pond. This was awesome. I wish we had more. I wish we had video of it because y'all need to see it. CJ's over there laughing. He's one of the rednecks. Um, And Lamar actually said, this is redneck territory. I feel at home here. Um, But I was standing there, and and as as we had worked together, and we're just kind of resting, watching the entertainment, um, I learned how Krista and Justin met. I, wouldn't, I, I can't learn that in here. I learned it because we were standing out there watching, and, and they met on MySpace. You want to talk about, what are the odds of that? How long did MySpace even last, right? And then um, Lamar and, and Michelle Ping, they're, they're new to our church and got to stand there and listen. I love to hear how people met, and she told a little bit of the story about how they met. It was, it's, it's awesome. My point is, You can worship in a crowd, but you can't fellowship in a crowd. You need smaller groups where you can talk and know and be known. That's intimacy, and that's what a lot of people are missing. Every time someone shares a deep secret, almost every time they'll say, when I shared this secret, it was one of the worst days of my life because I had to admit something, but it's one of the best days of my life because I'm no longer bound by it. I'm no longer a slave to that sin. Whatever you bring into the light loses its power. Now, I'm not saying you go home today and say, hey, Facebook, I committed adultery. Would you pray for me? No. You don't need to tell everybody everything, but you need to tell somebody you trust, someone you respect their walk with Christ. And let me tell you this. One of the greatest marks of spiritual maturity is the short time span between you sinning and confessing. The longer you hold on to this sin, the more tortured you're going to be. So you're going to... I've got to go back. I forgot. What does he, uh, where is it? There it is. It's better confess your sins and hide your sins. The next thing, Christ will set me free. This is what you're going to preach to your soul. Christ will set me free. Hey, soul, you don't have to be tortured anymore. Soul, greater is the one that is in me than, than he that's in the world. Hey, soul, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is, somebody tell me, there's freedom. Hey, soul, if Christ sets you free, you are what? Free indeed. Soul, you don't have to be trapped and tortured in this private place. And the enemy says, you're the only one. He's a liar. 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says, the temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. (laughs) We all experience them. And God is what? What is he? Faithful. The enemy is not faithful. The enemy is predictable. He's going to hit you with the same things he's hit you with over and over because it works. And you believe his lies. God is faithful. Even if we're faithful, Faithless, he's faithful. That's from 2 Timothy 2.13. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you're tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. God always provides a way out. You need to tell yourself, God's going to set me free. He's always going to provide a way out. You may feel trapped. You may feel helpless. But let me, let me tell you something. You're not. Because let me, if you're going to face whatever it is you need to face today, and, and you're, you're like, oh, no, I'm going to give in, I'm going to give in. If an angel of God were to show up with a stack of $100 bills and say, I'll give you a $100 bill for each minute you resist the devil, I think some of y'all would be billionaires today. Wouldn't you? Give me another 100 Give me another 100 You'd be watching your watches. You'd be resisting. Your motivation is wrong is the reason you give in. You, you don't stand next to temptation. By the way, we're not told to re- resist temptation. We're, t- we're told to run from it. 
We are told to resist the devil and he will flee. We're told to run from temptation. And the reason some of you give in to temptation is because you're standing right next to it. I love my wife. And if she's near me and I, I'm kissing on her, I, we'll just stop right there. <clears throat> y'all, uh, y'all remember, how many of you have heard of the, the, the video game Asteroids? You know when it came out? 1979, I was a freshman in high school. There were no joysticks back then. I got a picture of it. There are five buttons on the Asteroids game. There was one place in town, Alsop's Convenience Store had it. And we hung out there. We spent quarter after quarter, and we played this game. Now, now you see the two buttons there on, on the left. That is for left and right. So you had this real little pointy. It looked like this. This was your spaceship. It actually looked like this. And it would turn, and it was not very maneuverable. And there were these big lines that were supposed to be asteroids coming at you. Y'all ever played it? Gary said he's played it on Atari, but he had a joystick. Cheater, you don't even know. So you had right and left, and then the other side, you have um, thrust, and it was, very, it was not responsive. It wasn't like the Mustang I had a few weeks ago. It was you pushing, it'd go, and then it would take off. You know? There were no brakes. You had to turn around and thrust the other way to stop. And you're shooting, and you're shooting, and then the right finger on, on your right hand, that's your, so you're, and then there was this magic button. If all of the asteroids were coming and they were converging on you, does anybody know, if you had the glory, the grace of God to live in this area, do you know what that button right in the middle, you know what it's called? Hyperspace. Let's close hyperspace. Oh, great, glory to God, hyperspace, you hit it, and you'd peer somewhere else. Now, you didn't know where it was going to be, so you might have another asteroid. You can only hit it so many times until it recharged. I guess hyperspace had to recharge. But anyway, here's what I'm saying. In the Christian life, there's not a button called hyperspace. There's something way better. It's called hypergrace. And when you are facing temptation, your heavenly Father offers you hypergrace to either endure or he shows you the door. Now, when I was arrested for taking my gun into the airport, I spent about five hours there before um, I was bailed out. And it was really funny because the policemen knew who I were. They knew by then I was going on a mission trip. They knew all of this stuff. They, they thought it was pretty funny, and I didn't. But anyway, when they came and they opened up my jail cell, and they said, your bail's been pay- paid. You're free to go. How stupid would it be for me to say, no, I think I'll stay here. I like whitewashed walls. I like cinder block bed. I think I'll just hang out here a while. It's what you're doing when you're holding on to unconfessed sin. Nah, I'll just stay in the sewer. I'll just stay where the enemy of God has all power over me. Doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Some of you are at a crossroads. You need to choose today. Am I going to stay trapped in sin or am I going to walk out the door? Here's what 1 Peter 2, 24 and 25 says. He, talking about Jesus, personally carried our sins in his body on the cross so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. By his wounds you are healed. His wounds you are healed. Once you were like sheep who wandered away, but now you have turned to your shepherd, the guardian of your what? The guardian of your soul. You're tortured because you're believing lies and you're not, you're not turning it over to the guardian of your souls. So we're going to do a little soul detox today. Who the Son sets free is free indeed. 
And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, you know this song, we're going to play it. I didn't want the band to do this. I wanted to play it because some of you today need to, need to sing and worship in this song. And then you need to make a decision that you're going to confess your sins to God. And then if you want to be healed, you're going to confess to one person that you respect them. Watch this and then we'll be dismissed.
And I pray that some of you take that step today to confess to someone for healing. Um, I want to thank you for, for who you are. I'm honored to be the pastor of this church. That all I have to say is let's go down the hill and, and people show up and go down the hill and work hard. And, and I was talking to Teresa yesterday and just asking about the finances of the church. We're about to have our board meeting. And she said, we just keep on giving. And uh, I'm blown away. And, and as long as I have breath, we've got to keep doing this. I don't know what that was. We've got to keep on doing this. Because people are captured, tortured in sin, and we, we can't. We have the answer. So I want to challenge you to do more than you've ever done for the kingdom of God. Now, <laughs> when, when we went down the hill, you know, some people are like, why should we do this in the midst of COVID? Really? Um, God's called us to serve. He didn't say serve if it's convenient. And if God calls you, he's going to protect you. So, so let's serve. We have uh, one basket at the back. It's our joy basket. And... Uh, most of y'all give online, and that's how, that's how our church is not, not really, the, the giving's been strong, and I thank you for that, and, and we'll continue to expand what God's called us to do. You just keep on giving. Give online, nlccp.com, or you can give back there in the basket if you're, if, you write the, if you're the old-fashioned way and you write the checks. I didn't mean to say that. If you still use checks, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, we're, we're just grateful to God for everything he's done. Um, if you have a wristband on, please return it. We're going to use them every week for the weeks to come. And if, if someone has a red one on, stay clear of them. That means they've got some, some uh, underlying issues. We don't need to give them anything, even the sniffles. We don't want to give them anything. If they're yellow, you know, talk to them from six feet so that you don't spit. By the way, I noticed nobody's been sitting on the front row um, during this because I tend to spit. Um, and then if you're green, hugs and, and, and handshakes are welcome. So honor that. Get up and get out of here.